Well, good morning again. James chapter 4. The book of James. If you remember last time, we were in the last several verses of the book of James uh, when he talked about the two wisdoms. Two wisdoms. Heavenly wisdom and earthly or worldly wisdom. Remember the wisdom that is from above, which if you're a Christian, that should be the wisdom that you possess. That should be the wisdom that you are cultivating in your life. That should be the wisdom that should be conspicuously seen. Conspicuous meaning it should, it should appear in you. It should be growing in you. It's first peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial. It's not biased. It's not prejudiced. And so that's the wisdom that is from above. That's what we should have. That should be part of our attitudes in how we conduct ourselves in the world. James 4 continues as James writes, and he shows that wisdom that does not descend from above, but that is earthly, sensual, or it's full of bitter passions. A bitter passion would be like anger. Um, something that's inordinate, something that is uncontrolled. Anger is not sinful if it's controlled and if it's a righteous anger. But this is a people that were in churches in that time that had not just envying and strife, but James says they had bitter envying and strife in their hearts. And James teaches us if that's who you are, in your conduct, he says, don't rejoice in that. And that's when he tells us that that wisdom's not from above. James now begins chapter 4, and it's really a very sad portion of the scripture because he's talking about churches, Jewish believers, the scattered and dispersed tribes. That's how James opens up his epistle. To the, to, the, to the 12 tribes that are scattered or dispersed abroad. So that's who he's writing to. It's considered one of the epistles to the Jewish believers, uh, but it's also to us. And so now with, with that kind of preparation uh, from chapter 3, let's, let's read the first, we'll read the first uh, six verses. And we're not going to get there, but I'm going to read them just for continuity. James says, from whence or where do these wars and fightings among you come from, basically? From whence come wars and fightings among you? He's not talking about a war where you're firing a weapon and drawing a sword. He's talking about wars of words. He's talking about wars between people that are fighting. And what makes this really painful to read is he's talking to Christians. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not even of your lusts that war in your members? Your members, in other words, he says, they're coming from within you. So the, this, these, these questions, these two questions James asked, they were rhetorical questions. You know what a rhetorical question is? It means I'm asking you, but I don't want you to answer. I'm going to give you the answer. And so that's what James says. He says, I know where they're coming from. And he says, they come from your lusts. And he says in verse 2, you lust and have not. 
You kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not, and asking implying you pray, and you receive not. Now think about this whole thing of a Christian praying. Think of the spirit with which you should pray. It ain't that spirit. But that's how they were praying. This in my mind, I told Bryce, I think Friday, I said, this has been a spiritual conundrum in my mind because you think of a people like this and they don't seem like a praying people at all. And yet some of them actually were. Some of them weren't. He says you have not because you ask not. And then when you do ask, verse 3, you ask amiss. That word amiss means you ask from an evil heart. You ask for self-serving ends. And listen, we shouldn't be self-serving people. We should be Christ-serving people. We should be servants to each other. We should serve one another. We should serve one another in charity. But these people were losing this major battle in warfare on the first front. There's a threefold battle going on in these first six verses. The first battle is against self, is against self. And every one of us are in that fight. If you're a Christian, you're in that fight against you, <laughs> against self. There's two more fronts. Let's go on. In verse 4, you see the second front. You adulterers and adulteresses. Now, he's not talking about committing adultery in marriage. He's talking about spiritual adultery. He says, know ye not that friendship, the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. So there's the second battle front. So listen, if you're a Christian... There's the battle with yourself. Next, there's the world that you need to love not, that you need to resist, that you need to not listen to as a Christian. Because remember, you are your allegiance, your love, your faith is to the God of heaven. But who's the God of this world? Satan. And he's got things that will draw you away from whom should be your first love, which is Christ. Then he says in verse 5, Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? And We're not going to get this far, but I want to I show you the third front in this battle. He says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And then verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So there's the third front. So listen, every one of you, if you're in Christ, you're, you're fighting a warfare on three fronts. Self, the world, and the devil. And beloved, we need to know this so that we might do well by the Lord. That we might be strengthened with his might in our inner man and not fail of the grace of God. Pray with me and then we'll, we'll open this up. Lord, thank you. For this text, I pray that you would help us, Lord. Uh, Father, very sad to see brethren in such a state in, in this text that James was writing. And so, Lord, uh, please teach us, Father. Teach us about ourselves first today. 
And Father, that we would, uh, we would be sober and vigilant. Uh, Lord, that we would search our own hearts, that we would identify sin, that we would be tenderhearted, that we would not be drawn away in our own lusts like we'll be taught, Father, from the Scriptures. Oh, Lord, let us see that if there's fighting and contention all around us, oh, Lord, we might be the problem. I pray that it's not so. But help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we might be inclined to... Th I used to be inclined to think this. I'd, I'd think, man... What was the first century church like? Go back to like this time. Go back to the first century church. And I would think that's what I would want us to model ourselves after. <laughs> well, no. I mean, when you look here, and you might think that times had to be better back then, right? Well, no, you read Genesis 6-5, and the whole imagination of the hearts of men and women were only evil continually. So... We're inclined sometimes to think the good old days, but Solomon teaches us, he says, say not in your heart what is the cause that the former days were better. Solomon says if you say this, you're not, that's not wisdom. The former days aren't always so better. And to say that is to say that God cannot work now in the time that he has us. Listen, the saints of old, and this, listen, these saints in the book of James, he was dealing with them in real time. They didn't have what you have in your laps, a complete copy of the Holy Scriptures. They didn't have that. They, they, James was teaching them about these problems in the infancy. Listen, it's like Paul said, I'm bringing you forth in travail, the new church in, Gal in Galatia. And so th it, was, it was tough road there for them. So James is teaching them, and he's saying, this is not the way it should be. For us, beloved, we have, we have no excuse. We have the complete canon of the Holy Scriptures. We got it sitting right in our laps. And in fact, Peter says this, just listen. He says in chapter 1 of verse 3, he says, According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, and he says, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. The knowledge is sitting right there in your laps. And then he says, wherefore, wherefore or whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises in this word that's in your lap, that by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature, not like what was happening in the book of James. So you look at this... You know, you look at this, and I've thought about this for weeks. So what was the problem? Why were they in such a case like this? Why did the church descend into such a case like this? And listen, I know some actual circumstances of churches that are in such a case, just like this. And where there's fighting, and there's strife, and there's contention. You know, you think of Proverbs 13. And the wise man, Solomon, says there, only by pride comes contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So when there's contention between people in a church, when there should be harmony, something is very wrong. And the thing that makes it worse is when the people that are fighting don't recognize that it shouldn't be that way, that we're not of this world. That's how the world behaves. I mean, listen, we would expect something like this to happen in the world but here were professed believers that were meeting together in churches that were full of discord. They were full of disagreement. They were full of contention. They were fighting 
word fighting, accusations. It's almost like what was going on in 1 Corinthians. You remember where Paul said you, you're taking each other to court and you ought to be able to settle these things between yourselves. So listen, you expect behavior like this in the world. And of course, that's the second battlefront. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that. But what a terrible thing when God's people gather in their gatherings and there's not harmony and there's not charity. The Bible says charity shall cover the multitude of sins. But in verse one, you know, you say, what is the problem? And listen, if, if I'm reading this and I believe when we read this, and I don't believe this is happening here, and I'm going to kind of get to that. I don't believe this is happening here, but if we don't do some tending to our own gardens, if we're not tending to our own hearts, it could be smoldering. We might look all peaceful on the outside, and all of a sudden one day, here it comes, and a big fight starts in the church. I mean, that just shouldn't happen. And in verse 1, James goes to the root of the problem. He says, these wars and these fights among you are coming from within you. And so when I ask who's the problem, I'd have to say I'm the problem. In other words, I have, it's my calling uh, as a Christian to look within myself. James says that it's coming from lusts, which war in your members. You're fighting among yourselves because you're full of self-serving sinful passions. Listen, a lot of times when people are fighting over whatever it might be, and they're arguing, and there's bitter envying and strife, What's the principal reason? You want it your way. I want it my way. And I'm right and you're wrong, so I'm going to fight with you about it. And beloved, that's not what we should be. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, what did he say? Blessed are the, not peace breakers, peacemakers. For they shall be, I love that beatitude, because it says the peacemakers shall be called children of God. That is a stamped signature of who you should be, Christian. We are to, does diffuse mean quench? No, diffuse means spread, right? The word diffuse. Yeah, we don't want to be diffused. We don't want to diffuse it. We want to quench strife. We want to we we bring it down. Uh, we don't want to escalate any strife. But listen, behavior like this that was happening in James chapter 1, Behavior like this should be immediately recognized by us as children of God. Even if some of us may not recognize it, if it comes out, I would hope most of us will. And I would hope most of us would speak with uh, spiritual discernment enough to bring it down and to take the brethren aside who might be bringing envy and strife into the church. So it should be immediately recognized. And beloved, listen, if it does rear its ugly, ugly head, we need, to, we need to not be those that perpetuate it. Uh, but listen, anger and pride, when someone's angry and somebody's trying to make their point, it doesn't matter what it's about. If it descends into anger and somebody's trying to make their point and they're, they're welling up with pride and contention, it's, it kind of blinds them. All they see is, I'm going to get my point across. 
I'm going to get the last word. I'm going to fix this thing. So James wrote, you're fighting in war among yourselves. And I think James is teaching them, you're, you're in the wrong fight. <laughs> you're fighting, you're engaged in the wrong battle. You're fighting the wrong war. While you're fighting against each other, you're losing the real war. And that's really what was happening. They were losing the real war. And he, I think James is teaching them, you need to be fighting the good fight of faith in Christ. You need to be warring a good warfare. And again, remember those three fronts. Uh, James identifies those three battlefronts in this text. First, it's the battle against yourself. And listen, this is the hardest one. This is the one where you have to be honest with yourself. And you need to look within yourself. And, and Because listen, if you're in the strife, you can't just be saying, well, they said, they, 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 they. You need to look at, what about me, 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 me? What about me, Lord? And so there's this battlefront of being engaged with yourself. Listen, if you don't engage in this active, if you don't actively engage, rather, in this spiritual warfare within you, with the wisdom that God has given you from above, listen, you've got it. As Peter told us, you, you're equipped. God has told you how we ought to live. But if you don't actively engage with this wisdom that God has given you against, not, not your brother or sister that you're mad at, but if you don't actively engage against yourself to kill your sinful lusts and passions and sinful attitudes within you, then it may take a little time you may keep it all bottled up inside, but eventually it's going to come out. The straw is going to drop that breaks the camel's back, and you're going to fly off or say something, or I'll fly off and say something. And so, beloved, we need to, we need to engage the way we ought to engage as Christians. Look at 1 Peter 2.11. Let me show you a few passages. <clears throat> First. 1 Peter 2.11, one verse. Peter writing to the Christian, Christian uh, Jewish believers here, he said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, notice, abstain from fleshly lusts, sinful passions, anger, wrath, malice, things that would make you sin. And notice what he says, which war against the soul. They will affect you very negatively spiritually. So abstain from fleshly lusts. And listen, when you think of fleshly lust, I want you to think of these two words. They're connected with the little hyphen. Self-serving or selfish. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13, the Lord Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, love or charity is not selfish. And so if you have the love of Christ, beloved, Selfishness needs to be expunged as much as God helps you by His grace to expunge it out of your life. Romans chapter 7 and verse 22. Turn back there. Romans 7 and 22. Every one of us has this inner battle going on. If you don't, then you're not living in spiritual reality. Or if you don't think you do, you do. And you can't just let yourself have your way. You need, to, you need to take 
and direct self to the Holy Scriptures. And what is the, re what is the revealed will of God for me? It's not what do I want. And listen, these Christians got to the point of actually praying that God would give them their sinful lusts. It's not a prayer. It's actually tempting God. And so look at Romans chapter 7 and 22. Romans 7, 22. For Paul says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Now you see the conflict here in this passage. But I see another law in my members, another law within me. Warring, see the war, against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So you see the conflict? Then he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice, so then with the mind, with my heart and mind, I serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. And so, beloved, we need to realize that. And we need to realize that when we're having these thoughts, I am not always right. <laughs> I, need to, I, need to, I need to compare my attitudes and my heart and my mind against what God teaches me in the scriptures. Look at Galatians, one more, Galatians 5, 16. Galatians 5 and verse 16. Now listen, I read this passage, James 4, and you know, sometimes you come to passages in the scriptures and um, you look at this and I, I looked at it and I thought, well, Lord, this is not happening here at Grace Fellowship Baptist Church. Lord, I, from what I see, I see that there's harmony in the people of God. The people love each other. No, we're not perfect. And yeah, every now and then, we might get on each other's nerves a little bit, but Lord, it doesn't seem like there's this. But this is where we do the maintenance so that we don't end up being where these believers were. Look at what Paul wrote to the Galatians in verse 16, 516. This I say, walk in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? How do you walk in the Spirit? By faith and obedience to the Word of God. Listen, this is the instrument. This is what God's given us to live our Christian lives. By faith and obedience to the Word of God. Walking in the Spirit. That's how you walk in the Spirit. You walk in obedience to the Word, beloved. And he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And he says, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. There's the battle again, see? And the Spirit against the flesh. And these are not in harmony not in agreement they are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would listen if you're losing the battle you're going to fall on the wrong side of these these attitudes that are contrary to one another but he says if you be led of the spirit you're not under the works of the law he says now the works of the flesh or manifest. He says, this is the works of the flesh. So you can tell if this is where you're at. They're these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And listen, don't think of them so much as in the outward committing of them. I want you to think of them where they start. 
in their conception in the mind. That's the works of the flesh. It starts, sin never begins when you see it outwardly. It already began. And then it comes out. So he says, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. Variance means contention. Emulations means jealousy. Wrath, you know what that means. Strife. Seditions means divisions and dissension. There shouldn't be divisions and dissension among us, brethren. Heresies, envyings, again, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. So there's more. Paul's saying anything like these? He says, as I told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so, beloved, that can't be our practice. That can't be how we think. That can't be what we do. And it shouldn't be where we think. And listen, here's why you need to be so careful with that square flat screen thing that's hanging in your house. Because Hollywood is discipling you. And listen, you'll see things on there and you'll develop attitudes because you're you're being entertained by them. What are we allowing... What are we allowing Hollywood and the world to entertain in us? Now you think about just your own heart and what you've seen, what you've heard. And now you're off by yourself and you begin to entertain a secret lust, a desire that you know is wrong. And you entertain it, but it's just in there. It didn't come out. No, beloved, it's very dangerous. We need to be so careful of what we let go in through the eye gate and through the ear gate and in through the touch. We need to be so careful, beloved. And he says, people that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but here's the fruit of the Spirit. Here's, here's where we should be. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness, temperance, which is to be under control. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, and here's where we need to live, have crucified the flesh. They've killed the flesh. They kill the flesh daily with the affections and the lusts. When we detect them, It's all about searching and detection. It's all about whether you're willing to detect it and do something about it when the thought comes into your mind. But if you just kind of sit there and you kind of just think about it and entertain it, that's bad. That's bad, beloved. We must not do that. We must crucify and kill those affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, of provoking one another or envying one another. Now let me show you where we should be. And listen, I don't want to be I don't want to be boastful. Turn to Ephesians 4. This is where we should be. And I kind of think I pray that this is where we are. Listen, this is what I pray for. If you want to know one of the things that I pray for you as a church, it's this, that this would be us, Ephesians 4:1. And that this is where we would be expending our energies, our prayers, our desires. 
how we interact with one another. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. How? How do you interact in the body? How are you among yourselves? Remember in James, um, they were among themselves fighting. It even says, did you, did you notice the word you kill? And you know, I have to ask my, myself the question, would they literally commit murder? Were they that angry? Well, Jesus says, if you hate, you have killed. And so you look at this, and he's talking to brethren, but here's where we ought to be. We're going to walk worthy of our Christian vocation with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another, and in love, endeavoring, that means making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Beloved, that's where we should be. And so every day, part of your Christian habit needs to be putting off the old man, putting off the way the old man thinks, and putting on and adorning yourself with the new man. And Paul told the Colossians this. He said, put on, therefore, after you've put off and mortified, the word mortified means to kill the old man. You need to kill those thoughts in their infancy. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Here's a hard one for bearing one another. Listen, I truly believe that God will put someone in your life that may be difficult for you to actually have a relationship with as a Christian I believe God will put somebody in your life like that so that you can practice this I'm not talking about a lost person I'm talking about a saved person but listen it ought to be so even among those that are our friends at work or, or family members, beloved. God's going to do that because, listen, if you're always around everybody that you love, you're not exercising love. It's not being exercised. It's easy to be around somebody that you and them agree, or <laughs> let me rephrase that. It's easy for you to be around somebody that always agrees with you, right? It's my way or no way. And we, listen, we might not say that, but and so, listen, he says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any of you have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, I want to finish up here uh, for today in this initial warfare of self. And again, I said this already, but I would like to think of Grace Fellowship Baptist Church as a church that's not warring or fighting among ourselves. Now, I hope you agree with that. I, I don't want to say that if it's not true, but here's what I want to think about. How do we keep ourselves from fighting like sinners? How do we keep ourselves as saints? 
from fighting like sinners? How do we keep the unity of the spirit or of faith in the bond of peace? Well, first, remember this. Tend to yourself. Tend to yourself. I love the Lord's Supper. We just took the Lord's Supper and Randy encouraged us to pray and to really to tend to ourselves and that's what we should do. Listen, how do we keep ourselves from getting here? This is Christianity 101. You must walk by faith in Christ and obedience to his word. In, we must walk in obedience to his revealed will, which we have in our laps. You must seek God daily in communion and prayer. Seeking God. And you, know, you might think, well, yeah, I know all that, but do you do it? Do you actually do it? And listen, I would encourage you to pray like the Lord taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Listen, that's been so profitable to me because the Lord teaches you, and I'm not telling you to recite it by rote, but you, you, know, you, you pray, Our Father which art in heaven, and it's, it brings you to the one that is your Father in heaven. And you worship him who is of the greatest name there is. And... You, 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 you worship him for his person. Thy kingdom come. And the concentration of my prayer in this past week was, Lord, expand your kingdom in my heart. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. Remember, they were looking for an outward kingdom. And too many people today are looking for outward Christianity, which is glorious and full of lights and smoke and all kind of things. No. The most beautiful aspect of the kingdom of Christ is within you, beloved. And it's full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So I encourage you to pray like Jesus taught us to pray. When you've sinned, confess your sins. Ask God in your Christian life, brethren, to give you a heart that is tender when you sin. Sometimes I think that we begin to sin. It might be a besetting sin and we do it so much that we become callous and we just continue to do it. No, beloved. We must confess our sins and then we must forsake our sins. And then one of the greatest means of grace that God gives us is right here. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so... Beloved, when we make good, listen, when you make good and diligent use of the means of grace that God has given you, listen, God's given you everything you need, given you everything you need. You think of the first century Christians, you know what they had? They had James preaching to them. They might have had one copy of the book of James or maybe the book of Romans. They might not have even had that. But beloved, we have the complete canon of scripture so make use of the means of grace that God has given you if you would engage in this battle against the wicked self that's still in there and that that wants to come out and the more you make use of what God's given you the more your spiritual senses will be exercised to discern both what is good and what is evil listen the more you're ready to kill the sins within your own thoughts the more ready you'll be to walk the Christian life. And listen, you need to be able to kill them in their conception. Now, turn back to what James wrote in chapter 1. And I want to bring you back to this thought. 
that sin does not begin, it doesn't start, or it doesn't originate when it is acted out outwardly, when it is committed outwardly, but it begins long before that. It begins in your mind and in your thoughts when it is first conceived. You kind of think of when a baby is conceived. Nobody knows exactly when that is. Psalm 139, the psalmist writes, I was conceived in the secret parts of the earth. In other words, nobody knows exactly when it is. Well, listen, we need to be spiritually tender enough in our minds to know when a wicked sin, a thought, is being conceived in our hearts. Listen, before anyone feels the hatred or poison of any sin that might come out of you, it was already nourished in the secret parts of your inner person. And that's where you need to kill it before it comes out. Look at James 1.12. James tells us where it comes from. He says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation or trial. For when he is tried, means when he's proved, he shall receive. In other words, it's, it's, it's when he's proved, when he's tested and he succeeds. He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, that is tempted to sin. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, that is to sin. But notice here, here's squarely where the blame comes. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away, notice, of his own lust and enticed. It happens within you. When sin comes out of you, it's coming out long after it was conceived. It was conceived, and it might have taken a little while to cook up in there, but something happens, and then it comes out. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. See, once it's conceived, and you let it live, you keep entertaining it, then it brings forth sin. And here's where you don't want to go. Sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Let me show you an example. Go to Joshua chapter 7. And, and listen, with this thought, I hope you can see how important it is for each of you, children of God, to be on a constant search and destroy mission in your heart and mind. You need to always be searching. As you search the scriptures and as you read the word of God, you need to read it as if it's written to you because it is. And you need to take it honestly. You need to take it. You need to take it. And you need to be honest with yourself when the writer's writing of sin that could be within you. We need to be, listen, <clears throat> I, I call these sins sleeper cells. You know what a sleeper cell is? Many believe there are sleeper cells of terrorists within our own nation. They're sleeper cells. They assimilate into society. And then when the time's right, they rise up and they attack. And so, beloved, <clears throat> 
we need to be on the lookout for sleeper cell lusts and sins that may be lurking and hiding in our hearts. The Lord said, out of the heart proceed, what's the first thing? Evil thoughts. Out of the heart proceeds those things. You remember Joshua 7. You remember the command of Joshua when you go into Jericho, don't touch anything. Don't take anything that is in that city. But Achan did. You know the story of Achan. Look at verse 21. Joshua 7, 21. This is after Israel had fled before small Ai because there was sin in the camp. So Achan makes his confession. And listen, it's a good confession. Joshua said, confess what you have done. He said, when I saw the spoils, among the spoils, a goodly Babylonish garment. And listen, a garment back in that time, you were a rich man if you had two garments. This was a Babylonish garment. He said, I saw it and I saw 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them, and I took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. You know what happened to Achan and to all his family. That lust, that secret sleeper cell lust was, was right there in his heart. When he went into the battle, he was looking. And that covetous, that covetousness saw that. He says, I'm going to take that and I'm going to stick it in my tent. I'm going to bury it so nobody will see it. I'm going to take that garment. I'm going to take that silver. I'm going to take that gold. And he took it. And so this was an unmortified sleeper cell sin of covetousness. It rose up in Achan's heart. And that's what it will do to you and me. Beloved, we need to kill these sins in secret. Listen, good David the sweet psalmist of Israel. He let a sleeper cell live. And listen, I don't believe that Achan didn't know about this covetousness. I don't believe David didn't know that this was something that he had to tend to. This was a weed in his heart that he wouldn't pull out. And then when he saw Bathsheba on the roof, top he thought to himself I'm a king and he committed fornication with her and so this sleeper cell rose up Judas Iscariot why was not this ointment that Mary took this expensive ointment why was it not sold and given to the poor John's gospel tells us he didn't say this because he was worried about the poor he said this because he was a thief. Sleeper cell. It was in there and he wouldn't do anything with it. Listen, beloved. Here's the elixir. God's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You need to be honest with yourself and with your own heart. You need to be honest with yourself and with your own heart. And you need to, as Proverbs 4 says, you need to keep your heart with all diligence. Proverbs 4.23 says that. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart, out of it, are the issues of life. And so you need to keep them. 
He goes on. He says, he says, put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. In other words, don't look at what you shouldn't be looking at. Don't listen to what you shouldn't be listening to. Let thine eyes, thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of your feet and let all thy ways be established. Let not, turn not to the right hand or to the left hand. Remove thy foot from evil. You know the young man in Proverbs that went down the street of the harlot, the whore? Mm -hmm. And she saw him. And the Bible says he was a simple man. He, he, was, he was a fool. And he went down that street and there was a sleeper cell in his heart. And she, she got him. She caught him. And so that sin took him down. That sin took David down. That sin took Achan down. And we know it took Judas down. Beloved, because it was not dealt with. And so, beloved, we need to deal with our hearts. Never let your guard down. Listen, you might think, boy, this is like, this is hard. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's a constant warfare that's out there. And we're not even to the world. We're talking about self. But the world is going to try and vex self. And the world wants you to think about things that you ought not to be thinking of. The world wants to woo you away from the true and living God and Christ in whom you believe and who saved you from your sins. And the God of this world wants to woo you. He says like he said to the Lord, look at the kingdoms of the world. All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. And listen, the world is saying that. But we're not to the devil yet. You say, but it's just a little sin. Nobody knows about it. And listen, think about how you think in your heart sometimes. And sometimes you're just sitting there and you're entertaining something. And you're just not doing anything. And you say, well, you don't know me. I said, yeah, well, I'll tell you this. I know me. And sometimes to my hurt, I'll do that. I'm, I'm just kind of entertaining this thing. I'm not doing anything. I'm just kind of there. Well, that's bad to just be there. Listen, you say, well, it's just little. Well, Solomon says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. And so we need to be very careful. Listen, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Listen, I think that sometimes we ask God to forgive us and we ask God to search our hearts, but we're really not searching them. Listen, God wants you to be honest with him. He wants you to tell him about your struggles with a besetting sin. He wants you to confess that secret lust to him and to ask him to help you to confess it and forsake it. It's not just to confess it, but the proverb says, whoso confesseth and forsaketh that sin shall have mercy. And so listen, next time you pray, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Man, that's a piercing prayer and listen I've learned I'm learning this you pray that in faith and you want that God will tell you right there God's told me right there it's like he's telling me you know you know and I'll have to say you're right Lord to my shame I know but you know the Lord wants to hear us cry for help for that which we need help for you can't cry in these common phrases listen if you're going to confess your sins confess your specific 
sins. I'm having problems with this, Lord. Listen, cry out to him. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. That's hard. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, is there something in there that I'm just entertaining? Listen, this is it in listen, this is the this is the most important aspect of our spiritual warfare is you fighting you, fighting the old you. So beloved, we need to be able to do that. Listen, give no quarter. I had to look that up. To give quarter to the enemy is to, is to allow them to live. We need to give no quarter. We need to slay the slightest sin, the smallest lust that might be within us. We need to search and identify sinful thoughts within us. And then, you know what you need to do? You've heard this, that the U.S. sometimes will carry out preemptive strikes. You know what a preemptive strike is? A preemptive strike is we think that that nation's going to rise up against us, so we're going to strike them first before the war ever starts. That's a preemptive strike. So I got this, Lord, this thought in me. I'm going to strike it before it comes out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill this sin. Listen, beloved, that's... Listen, this, is, this ought to be Christianity 101. Now, if we do this, if we are faithful, beloved to attend to the means of grace, to search our own hearts, to tend to our gardens and not our friends' gardens, to not tend to our friends' hearts, to tend to our hearts, then I don't think this will happen in here. We won't find ourselves fighting in war and we won't find strife, beloved, but we'll be as those that endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so, beloved, pray for one another in this. This is one of the most important things. Pray for yourself. Ask the Lord to help you to do this. Um, listen, one of the things that I would rather God kill me than me be the reason that this church fell. I would rather God just kill me. I, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Than for me to be the reason that the church would fall apart. Jesus says it's better that a millstone were hanged about your neck that you, will, you should offend one of these little ones that believe in me. And I think that's, that's an arrow shot to the heart of every pastor. Be careful that you don't offend one of my little ones. And so, beloved, let's pray for one another and pray that there wouldn't be... Go and look in your heart and see if there's any sleeper cells just, just strengthening themselves to come out. Just, just look within. Search yourself. If you're lost today here and you've not believed in Christ, then there is really no peace within you. The wisdom that is from above is first peaceable. Listen, if you're not a Christian, then you are not at peace with God. And this is one of those things where many churches will say, well, yeah, just believe in Jesus. He loves you. Well, what you need to know first is that if you're lost, you're at enmity with God. You're an enemy of God. You're estranged from God. There is no peace between you and God. And if you would have peace, then I would tell you to run toward the God that is full of wrath. Run toward him and fall down before him and cry out for mercy. Mercy, 
Oh God, have mercy upon me. Forgive me from my sins. Save me from my sins. And in my mind, I always think if God were to say why, and then I would say point to Christ, point to the cross. I believe he died for my sins. That's Christianity. The Bible says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and he's going to save sinners. If you're lost, turn from your sins to Christ. Believe Christ today to the saving of your soul. Have that wickedness propitiated. And now in Christ, the Bible says, you are now at peace with God. Listen, there is nothing like being at peace with God. There's nothing like. To the lost, and they look and Maybe they think that we're crazy Christians or whatever they might think. If you only knew peace with Christ, if you only knew the kindness and love of our God toward us, that he saved us from our sins. He saved us from ruining ourselves. If you're lost, turn, turn, your sin, turn from your sins to Christ. Believe Christ today. Listen, you want to know the heart of God? You read Ezekiel. God says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked that they die. He says, turn and live. Turn to me. I pray you do so. Christian, go look for sleeper cells. Go look for any lust that might be smoldering in your heart. And do a preemptive strike. Kill it. Kill it. If you're having problems killing it, then ask God for help. Ask God for help. And I believe he'll answer that prayer. Let's dismiss in prayer. Father, we ask that you'd please help us, Father, as your children. Please help us, Lord, as children of God, to not just go through the motions, O oh God. Help us not to toy with sin in any form. Even let us not deceptively think to ourselves that or reason within ourselves as to whether it's a sin or not. Father, please help us, Lord. Help us to not be self-serving, but help us to be faithful servants of Christ. Oh God, help us in this warfare that we might fight the good fight of faith. Help us, Father, if we're fighting, help us to fight together. Help us to be like the tribe of Zebulun. The scriptures teach us that they were 50,000 strong, and they kept rank. They were going the same way. Help us to be as the tribe of Zebulun, Father. Bless your people. Save the lost, O oh God. I pray that you would visit the spirits of any lost among us. I pray that you would draw them into thy kingdom. I pray that they would see that you're a wonderful and gracious Savior. But if they're lost, I pray that they would first see that they are condemned and judgment is upon them. And Father, there's little time. Save, Father, we pray. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, pray that you'd remember Brother Randy. Uh, 5.30 this evening, we'll come back and uh, look forward to hearing what the Lord has for us.
so thankful to be able to take the Lord's Supper with each of you. So thankful for Brother Randy's um, preparing us for that in Genesis 14. So, do I miss anything? Be sure you tell Terry happy birthday when you leave. So, so amen. All right, brethren. Uh, the Lord bless you. We're dismissed.